0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, stand for your country. Stand for your country. On Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, God sat on his throne in heaven watching the United States presidential election along with his angels. As the votes began to be tallied, Donald J. Trump was pulling ahead in votes. They watched Fox News predict that Trump would take the Electoral College votes of Texas and Arkansas and Alabama and Florida, and God smiled and his angels shouted. High fives. Boys, we've got this one in the bag, the Lord said. Think of all we'll be able to do with four more years of Donald Trump in office. The angels screamed in agreement, and the high fives were replaced with hugs and handshakes. About one or two million angels took off in flight for a victory lap around heaven. Amidst the, the excitement, an angel asked, What about the swing states of Arizona and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin? I'm watching CNN, and they say Joe Biden still has a chance to win this election. God replied, first of all, how did you get that channel up here? You know we only watch Fox News because of their determination to only report the truth. God continued, Arizona has voted Republican since 2000. Trump has had multiple rallies in Pennsylvania, and so even if Wisconsin does go to Joe Biden, Trump will still win. I don't know, Lord, the angel hesitantly replied, this is too close for my liking. Time passed, and the heavenly congregation continued to watch on the edge of their seats. Then, around 3 a.m. on November 4th, God spoke up. Angels, he said, I'm just a little tired. I think I'm going to leave my throne and take a nap. The angels all looked at God and each other with great amazement because God had never left his throne before. But sure enough, God stood up and walked down Hallelujah Avenue, took a right on Lily of the Valley Way, and then a left on Beulah Land Boulevard where his home was situated on the crest of a hill overlooking all of heaven. And as he reached his front door, he turned around and took a deep breath. All shall be well, God said. I'll wake up tomorrow morning to four more years of Trump. And within 10 minutes, God fell asleep. However, after only a couple of hours, he heard frantic knocks and screams at his door. Lord, Lord, you must wake up. Something terrible has happened. God ran to the door to find millions of angels all yelling over each other. The Democrats stole the election, he heard from one. Another said through tears, it was Pelosi, I tell you, it was Pelosi. Pelosi. And Hillary, don't forget to blame Hillary, cried another angel who was mysteriously found dead a few weeks later. (laughs) Oh, man. God listened intently. As the angels explained what had happened while he slept, the mail-in ballots, the extension of voting times, the mysterious jumps in votes for Biden, etc., etc "'Lord, Rush Limbaugh is up in arms. He's waiting to speak to you on line one,' an angel yelled, holding up a phone. "'I've got Sean Hannity holding on line two, and Judge Jeanine Pirro on line three, said another. Finally, all in unison, the angels cried out, "'Joe Biden is going to be president.'" God finally held up his hands, calling for silence, to which all the angels quickly obeyed. A holy hush fell over heaven as God sat on his steps, staring off into the distance. Lord, and Gabriel, what do we do? God replied, I don't know. I never should have gone to sleep, I never planned for this to happen. All of heaven arrived for what seemed like hours until one angel began flying overhead and asking for everyone's attention. You won't believe what's happening, said the angel, with a glimmer of hope in his eyes and an excitement in his voice. As silence once again fell over heaven, the angel continued, Republicans, the proud boys, and Christians alike are blowing up Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Gasps of hope ran throughout heaven. Tears were brushed away in anticipation. The angel said, They say they won't rest until this election is overturned. Hashtag notmypresident is trending. Posts about Texas seceding from the Union are already going viral, and Rudy Giuliani is on the warpath. Heaven once again rang with cheers. There's still hope, one angel said, while the rest began chanting, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. The instruments began to play and the choir began to sing everything's all right in my father's house and God breathed out a sigh of relief. That was a close one, he said. I'll never fall asleep on the job again. Now, the way that many people are acting, you would think that this story was true. It's amazing to see how when things seem out of control, man always wants to seize that control. But no matter what may happen, And this has been a ridiculous year, a crazy week, but no matter what may happen, the mountains will crumble, the stars will cease to shine, the ocean will dry up, the sun will darken before God ever loses control. He never slumbers, he never sleeps, he has no uh uh-ohs, he needs no do-overs, he makes no mistakes. God doesn't need our help. He simply asks for our trust. Trust that even when things seem out of control, he's still in control. Now, am I saying that America doesn't need to change? She certainly needs to change. Am I saying that Christians don't have a role to play? Christians certainly have a role to play. But if we're not careful in seeking to bring about this change, we seek to change the wrong things. And in seeking to play our part, we start playing the wrong part. And through all of our efforts and all of our screams and all of our posts and retweets and shares, we do absolutely nothing for the cause of Christ. Let's be reminded this morning, this isn't the first time God's people have been under the rule of a worldly government. The nation of Israel was under Pharaoh. Daniel and his three friends were under Nebuchadnezzar. Nehemiah was under Darius. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is writing to a group of people who are under an emperor named Nero. Main purposes of 1 Peter is to teach God's people how to live through trials. How do you do well when things aren't going well? You could could call this message doing well when things aren't going well. And one of these trials in this section that we just read, one of these trials that Peter mentions that Christians are going to have on this earth is living under a worldly government or living under an ungodly rule. And that could be citizens underneath an ungodly president or an ungodly king Or it could be a wife having to submit to an ungodly husband. It could be a church underneath the the leadership of an ungodly pastor. But overall, he is talking about what do you do when you are in a subordinate position to somebody who is not leading the way that you think that they should lead, who is not leading the way that the Bible says that they should lead. Let me put it that way. Who isn't leading the way that the Bible says that they should lead? How are we supposed to act when our government isn't the government we wish for it to be? And for the next four years, it's not going to be. And by the way, if we thought that for the last four years, everything that was going on was according to the Bible, we're blind. I appreciate a little space of grace but that man, Donald Trump, is not the savior of the world. And that is what's bothering the mo- me the most. And, and if you didn't find by that little story that I wrote at the beginning, I I have a, a poncho for sarcasm. And I'm going to try to keep it in, in t- today. But I have been frustrated by what I've seen on the news. I've been frustrated by what I've seen in, in government I have been more frustrated by how Christians are reacting to it all. Now, I'm, not, I have not seen it here, and I don't wish to. America does need to change. I want to help us to see how is that change going to happen? What are we supposed to do when we're living under a government that's ungodly? How are we supposed to act? How do we keep doing well when things aren't going well? How can Christians have an influence? Don't we want to have an influence? Don't we want to see the change come in America? I don't want somebody in the in I don't want somebody who's president who divides a nation. I don't want somebody who's president who sees no problem with killing a baby. So how do we change that? Do we just sit in the pew and amen a preacher when he says that every, when he points out everything that's wrong? Or is there something that we can do? And there is. How can a Christian influence a world that is ungodly? And you do that by standing for your country. Now, when I say stand for your country, what do you think of? Maybe we think voting is standing for our country. And by the way, every Christian should vote. Men died to give us that privilege. Every single Christian should vote. And I'm amazed that the ones who do not vote are the first ones to complain about the government. Whether we are in the vast minority or the, or the large majority or whatever, vote. Someone say exercising our First Amendment right of free speech is standing for our country. Some may say writing our congressmen and women or joining the military or signing a petition, or attending a rally, or flooding the streets of Washington, D.C., or even storming the Capitol building, someone say that that is standing for our country. But America is not the country that I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about standing for what the book of Hebrews calls a better country, a heavenly country. I am an American. I know I don't look it, but I am an American. My dad is full-blown, full-blown South Korean. My mom is redhead, curly-haired Scottish, and that's why I have two redheads. And they met in Taekwondo class. But I am an American. I don't speak Korean. I don't wish to speak Korean. Whenever I went to the Korean get-togethers, everyone was talking, and I just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just give me more bulgogi and kimchi, and everything's good. I am an American. I will always be an American. I love this country. I would die for this country. But before I will ever stand for this country, I am called to stand for a better country. And so is every Christian. I love America. It is the greatest country on this earth. With all of its faults, it is the greatest country on this earth. But America is not my home. It's quiet in Texas. But America is not your home. I appreciate the freedom we have in America, but America is not my home. I appreciate the men who willingly separate themselves from their family and, and, and go overseas to fight and to shed their blood for my freedom. But America is not my home. I enjoy the opportunities that America offers, but America is not my home. I'm a citizen of a better country. And if standing for America means standing against that better country, I choose the better country, and so should you. Look with me in verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Peter addresses this letter in chapter 1, verse 1, to the strangers. When Jesus saves your soul, your name is written in the heavenly record book. This world is not your home. You are just passing through. And we are commanded as Christians to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Before we ever call ourselves Americans, we should prefer to call ourselves Christians. Before you ever stand for a political party, let me go back. Before we ever call ourselves Americans, we should prefer to call ourselves Christians. You know, there was a day in America when that was pretty much synonymous I want to get back to that day. Before you ever stand for a political party, you should stand for Christianity. Don't dare stand for a president before you stand for Jesus Christ. Why are Christians more willing to hit the streets in protest than hit their knees in prayer? How come when Trump calls for a rally, thousands of people will attend, but when God calls for us to join church, the pews are barely filled? I am not saying it's wrong to be patriotic, but God did not call us to be patriots. He called us to be preachers of his gospel. You are lowering yourself to be a patriot. And a patriot is a very high calling. You may say, but I can't help it. I've got hot red American blood coursing through my veins. And maybe you do. But when you are saved, you have the royal blood of Jesus Christ running through your veins as well. And every believer who is more willing to live as an American rather than a Christian, is standing for the wrong country. And here's what we must understand. The best way to stand for our earthly country is to stand for our heavenly country. The best way to be an American is to be a Christian. The best way to stand for our country is to stand for heaven and to stand for glory. We will help America more by being a Christian than being an American. We will help America more by standing with Jesus than standing with the president. We will help America more by standing for truth than standing with a political party. We will help America a lot more by storming the throne room of God in prayer than storming the Capitol. The best way to stand for America is to stand for God. Now, I agree wholeheartedly that America needs to change. I don't recognize my country, do you? How many of you don't even watch the news anymore? You can't. I don't know who to trust, I don't know who to listen to. Someone says this thing, someone says that, the person has an interview on this one and then goes to this one and says something completely different, you would think there's a Dr. Fauci has a twin somewhere. I agree wholeheartedly that we must not sit idly by while America spirals downward away from God. There is something we need to do. I agree wholeheartedly that our voice needs to be heard. But I hear more Christians screaming four more years than I hear Christians screaming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is a problem. I hear more Christians screaming, Trump is my president, than Jesus is my savior. How are we supposed to help our country? I don't mind standing with the president. I I think we should vote for a president that we can stand for. But not if it means standing for him before my Lord. I will say until I'm blue in the face that I love America and that I love my president and all those different things but not if it takes place of me speaking for my heavenly country. And that's what's happening. We've lost our focus. We've lost our priority. Trying to bring about all these changes to America, we're focusing only on America, realizing that the only way to help America is by telling people about heaven, telling people about a better country, and that you can be a citizen of that better country. Do we wish to change our earthly country? We must live... Sins of a heavenly country. How do we do that? Well, look in verse 11. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Again, I am an American. I'm a man. I love guns and military and everything. I'd probably be 4F because of my eyesight and I have not one speck of muscle on me. You know what my flesh wanted to do when I heard everyone else was storming the Capitol? That sounds fun. You know what my flesh wants to do when I see someone post something ignorant on Facebook? I want my keyboard smoking. But what what this world needs to see, what America needs to see, is people abstaining from fleshly lusts which war against the stole. How do you stand for your country? Number one, stand for your country by living by the Spirit and not the flesh. If this world is not our home, we shouldn't live as if it were our home. We can't stand for our heavenly country while following after our flesh. We can't stand for our heavenly country without living differently. If we truly wish to see America changed, if we truly wish to for America to see the error of her ways, just like these Christians wanted for Rome to see the error of her ways, how do those people see that? They need to see more Christians. People who abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Number 2, stand for your country by being real, not fake. Look in verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Be real, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Nothing will help our country more than seeing thousands, if not millions, of true, honest Christians. People who wholly desire to live for Christ. People who ignore worldly lusts and pursue heavenly love and obey God's commandments. People who are resolved to live by faith in God's word, not fear of man's word. This this word Gentiles here in verse 12 in this context is talking about the unbelievers. So God says through Peter... If these Christians are going to have an influence among the ungodly, they need to follow the spirit, not to flesh, and they must be real. Because nothing will hurt our country more than this country seeing people who claim to be Christians that turn out to be fake. And make no mistake about it, you've seen this in your life as I've seen it in mine. The moment you claim to be a Christian, you've painted a big red target on your back. You go from being just another face in a crowd to being examined, scrutinized with every detail. You'll be poked, you'll be prodded, you'll be goaded, you'll be ridiculed, you'll be questioned, you'll be mocked. You'll just be all around pushed. Because they want to know, is who you are who you say you are? If I were to speak to your coworkers, would they know that you are a Christian? If I were to say, tell me about so and so, would they say, well, I know he's a Republican? Would they say, I knew there was something different about that person? If I were to ask, do you know that so-and-so is a Christian? Would they say, I I knew there was something different about them. If I were to speak to your neighbors, would they know that you're a Christian? If I were to ask, did you know that so-and-so is a Christian? Would they say, yes, I know that. They act differently. They speak differently. Every single Sunday morning while I'm out doing my lawn, they're all dressed up. They dress differently. They always go somewhere at the same time every single week. And they come home smiling. The kids are polite. They don't lose their temper all the time. They talk about Jesus all the time. Or would they say, Christian? I mean, I guess. Because aren't we all Christians in America, right? Or would they say, oh, they talk about Jesus all the time, but you should have heard the rant that he went on last week. Oh, they talk about Jesus all the time, but you should have seen what she said about so-and-so last week. You should have heard it. Church, this world is watching us. They're watching the news, the news that you can't stand. They're watching it because that's where they think answers come from. To us, answers come from this word because it has been proven. We've proven it. We've put it to the test. They haven't done that. Their answers come from Anderson Cooper and Chris Wallace and and Tucker Carlson who constantly looks like he's swallowing a pine cone. I don't know, some some just. Their their answers come from people who don't have the answers. No wonder why they're so confused. No wonder why they're so worried. No wonder why they're so fearful all the time. But they're looking for somebody who, unstable, 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 wait a second. That man's stable, why? Fear, 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 happy, why? Questions, questions, questions. Que- that person knows what they're, knows what they believe. Why? You know why the? It's it seems, it seems like back in the '60s and '70s, Christians were were outside. I mean, every. People were being saved by the, by the thousands. People were being baptized, joining churches, independent fundamental Baptist churches. And homosexuals were in the closet. And they, they weren't just in it. They were locked in from the outside. Somewhere along the way, Christians have gone in the closet and the homosexuals have come out. You know why? Because Christians are questioning all the things that we've been taught. And the homosexuals say, no, I'm proud of who I am. And people are attracted to that. If we would just stand for what we know to be true, what we say to be true, they're watching. And they want to know, is it real? Is it real? Or is this just all show? Is is this all just mumbo jumbo? I want to know if it's real. And they are watching. And the moment our life doesn't match our words, you know what they say? Knew it. Knew it. It's a crutch for the weak. That's all it is. Christian, you may say, I just lost my temper one time. You may forever turn somebody off to the gospel. Be ye holy for I am holy. You are a priest. You are God's ambassador. You don't have the luxury of losing your temper and using vocabulary that would make a sailor blush. You're a child of the king. And people are watching. You know, this world sees us as the problem. They see us as the hindrances to progress. They see us as intolerant. They see us as fools. They see us as stubborn. They see us as weak. Verse 12 says, The Gentiles speak against you as evildoers. And let me show you why. Turn over to chapter 4. Why do they speak against us as evildoers? How many of you got saved later in life? Okay, how many of you, you ran with a certain crowd before you were saved? And then you got saved, and suddenly that crowd that you ran with doesn't want to run with you anymore. All the friends that you had suddenly don't want to be your friend anymore. Look here in chapter 4, in verse 3. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, guilty. Lust, guilty. Excess of wine, guilty. revelings, guilty. Banquetings, guilty. And abominable idolatries. And then look what happens here. You got saved. You got saved. Jesus came into your heart and changed you forever. Look in verse four. Wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot. So what do they do? Speaking evil of you. You used to party with us. You used to say the same words. The words that you're saying now, I don't want to hear that anymore. You used to say it, hypocrite. But you're trying to tell them, I'm changed. I'm different. The Lord has done something in my life. We'll see. They're watching. They speak against us as evildoers. But when we're real, they'll eventually say, there is something more to this. It's been years. You've never come to another party. You don't lose your temper anymore. Your family's changed. Your schedule's changed. Your priorities changed. What is it? I'm a Republican. No. I'm a Christian. Jesus Christ is my Savior. My preacher growing up he grew up Catholic. For 21 years, he was in the Catholic Church, lied to by the Catholic Church. He was an altar boy. His family, very Catholic. Now, his mom more so than his dad. But he tells a story about when he got saved, and he called his dad and said, Dad, I got saved. And he said, saved from what? A car wreck? He said, no, I got saved from hell. And his dad said, okay, fine, here's your mother. And for years, he witnessed to his dad. He said, I would crawl to my dad and grab his ankles and cry and say, you must be saved, you must be saved. And his dad would say, no. No. He and his dad, he would say we would go to the same bar and dad would start a fight in that wing and I'd start a fight in that one and we wouldn't leave until we had won. But there came a day where his dad came up to my preacher and he said, "What you have is not religion. My son is different. You don't drink, you don't sass your mother anymore, you don't sass me anymore." You don't go out with me on Saturdays because you say you have church on Sundays. I used to see you on Sundays hungover. Now I see you in a suit and a tie carrying a Bible. You used to say you wanted to go and make millions of dollars and now you say you want to go to Bible college. This isn't religion. Whatever it is, I want it and I want it today. And his dad got saved that night and baptized the next Sunday. And a year later, a year later to the day, his mother got saved as well. When the world beholds, What does the Bible say? Our good works. That's when the even the ungodly start to glorify the Lord, because they see that it is real. Do you realize it is going to be very unlikely for somebody, a lost coworker, a lost family member, to just randomly pick up this book next week and read it. But they are reading you. You might be their Bible. What version are they reading? We must stand for our country by following the spirit, not the flesh. We must strive to be real, not fake. That's how we stand for our country. And the last one here, and I know, I, I, I struggle with this one. We stand for our country through submission, not rebellion. Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king, he's talking about Nero there at that point. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto, them, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of them that do well. And by the way, who are the evildoers in verse 14 according to the king and the governors that he sends? You and me. Verse 15, for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. I don't think one Christian back in Peter's day would have said, I am so glad that Nero is king. And I can only imagine the frustration that must have come with being under the rule of such a horrible and wicked man. And I must say, I am not looking forward to the next four years. I am not looking forward to being under the rule of a man and a woman who see no problem with killing children. And see no problem with diminishing our military. And see no problem with supporting foreign nations before U.S. citizens. Who see no problem with men marrying men and women marrying women and kicking God out of our schools and seeking more to please Mother Earth than Father God. But church, he will be our president. And mark it down, one day she will be our president. Not because they stole the election, not because they made up votes, not because they hid other votes. That man will be president because God allowed him to be president. Therefore, to rebel against that man is to rebel against God's will for this country. Romans 13, one says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. When those people stormed the Capitol the other day, they stormed God's will for this nation and that is why they did not one bit of good. But we have to show America how wrong she is and I agree, I agree. The best way to show what is wrong is by showing what is right. When I was in banking, and I was teaching my tellers, and I was telling as well, one time they set a counterfeit bill in front of me that came into my branch. And I was in training at the time. They said, this counterfeit bill came in. Look at this. And I looked at it, and I flipped it over. I felt it. See, tellers could just tell by feel. I couldn't tell this one by feel. It was impressive. I said, This is not a counterfeit bill. He said, Yes, it is. It's 100% a counterfeit bill. And I looked, I stared at it, and I could not see what was wrong with it. All I could, just somebody told me there was something wrong with it. And I looked at it, nothing. It was a $100 bill. And then they set a real $100 bill next to me. Obvious. Missing the security strip, the different parts of the real hundred dollar bill, all the different prints that are on it, were off on the counterfeit bill. But I never, I couldn't tell. Someone is just yelling at me the whole time, something's wrong with it, find it. My knees are knocking together, they're going to fire me, I can't tell the difference between a, and we're telling all these people, we're just walking out on Facebook, something's wrong with our country. And they're saying, well what? I don't see anything. You don't see anything wrong with it. How dare you? What's wrong with you? We show them what's right. Show them what's right. Show them how to live right. Show them how to live abstaining from the flesh. Show them how to be real and not fake. This, this world has seen plenty of fake Christians. How many of you have heard somebody say, I would be a Christian if it wasn't for Christians that I knew in the past because they were fake? For so is the will of God. That with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Standing for a man more than we stand for God is not well-doing. Screaming at a rally but refusing to knock on a door to tell people about Jesus is not well-doing. When fear overtakes our faith, if patriotism overtakes our preaching, if love for country overtakes our love for Christ, we are not doing well. And we will not bring about the change that so desperately needs to come. America is on a fast train to destruction. Not because there's a Democrat in office. Not because there's all this corruption. And there is. It's ridiculous everything that we're seeing. But because Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Show me anything or anyone that can bring unity more than Jesus Christ and his gospel. Verse 16 talks about being free. As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. What is that talking about? But as the servants of God, it's talking about this. We are indeed made free in Christ Jesus. We're free from the mastery of sin and Satan, free from the punishment of hell. But we are not free to dishonor the authority that the Lord has placed in our life. Now, I know the Bible says we ought to obey God rather than men. And I'm ready. If government starts telling us because of everything that's going on, churches cannot meet... We're going to put sanctions on it. We're going to do this. There will be a time where churches need to stand because we ought to obey God rather than men. And there is a hill that I am willing to die on. And if I need to start again, Nueces County Baptist Church, jail Baptist Church, let's go. Let's do it. We won't have to drive in the rain anymore. We'll all be there. Three hots and a cot will be good. There are certain situations where it would be against the Bible to obey our earthly authorities. But even in those moments, we're called to honor those people. We're called to honor them. Not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. That means a desire to harm. But as the servants of God. And what does God tell his servants to do? Verse 17. Honor all men, whether you like them or not. Agree with them or not. Honor them. Love the brotherhood. Fear God honor the king. And that's a little K, not big K. That's how change comes. That's how God is glorified. See, we don't understand that, do we? But I want you to think of a young man named Joseph who was prisoner in a place called Egypt. And he reached Egypt, you know how? He said he had a good attitude. No matter what circumstance you put Joseph, he wouldn't be under it. He rose above it. Then you had Daniel. Daniel rose to third in the kingdom. And then another kingdom of Media and Persia comes in and overtakes Babylon and makes him head of a bunch of people. You know why? He had had an excellent spirit. That's what the heathen said. He had an excellent spirit. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar looked at those three boys and said, 10 times better. 10 times better than any of the boys who did my way. And even when those men were told by that king, who is your God who's going to save you from the fiery furnace when I throw you in because you are refusing to do what I tell you to do? Never once did they say, well, we're going to storm your palace. And we're going to put our feet up on your desk. And we're going to write a message and, and graffiti your door. We're going to do it. No, they said, King, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God will save us. But if not, we still won't. Honored that man. And in all his rage and fury, he threw him in. But that king, by the end of the chapter... Said, let everybody in my kingdom know to glorify the God of heaven because of those boys. I know we want to stand for our country. The best way to do that is by standing for a better country. Follow the spirit, not the flesh. Be real, not fake. Be submissive, not rebellious. He talks about servants doing that to their managers. How many of you have an unsaved manager, an unsaved boss? Some ladies have an unsaved husband. No matter what it is, subordinates of any kind. And let me show you what happens in chapter 3, verse 8. Can I show you this? And we'll be done. What happens when Christians properly react to this trial of living underneath ungodly rule? What happens? Look at verse eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. This is going to be difficult, church, but don't speak against your president for these next four years. Pray for that man. Verse 10, uh, I'm sorry, verse 11. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Strive to attain it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. But Lord, how are we going to defend ourselves if we just open ourselves to what's going on? Verse 13, who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And you know what's going to happen? God says, be ready. Be ready because people are going to come up to you and say, how did you find hope in a hopeless world? What's different about you? Why are you always so happy? Why are you not fearful? Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Live in such a way where when they ask, we can say, let me tell you about my Savior. Not let me tell you about my president. Let me tell you about a heavenly country. Instead of hitting the streets, hit our knees. Instead of looking for a revolution, look for a revival and we'll find the revolution that we are looking for. Instead of seeking to change the government, God says change the governed. God did not call us to change an election. God called you to change the world. Stand for your country. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.